The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as, is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. Jesus also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. With many such par parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. May I have children come forward, please? the fashionable entrance. Thank you very much. <laughs> good morning, everybody. How are you today? Good. Good, good, good. Um, so we just uh, heard some stories from the Bible, and one of the first stories that we heard was an interesting one about somebody becoming a king. God actually saying to someone, you are going to be a king. So how would it feel if you were with a bunch of your friends and one of your friends turned to you and said, guess what? God has decided you're going to be a king or a queen. What would you think? Who's ready to be a king or a queen? You ready to be a king? Anyone ready to be a queen? You're ready to be a queen? Kings and queens. Anyone else? It's a scary job to think about, isn't it? What does a king or a queen do? What is their job? They're very, 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 very bossy. Oh, how many varies was that? Five varies on that bossy. Okay, so they're really, really, really bossy. Okay, that's one thing. They're really bossy, you think? What else do you think that kings and queens are? What's their job? They keep people safe. They keep people safe, okay. What do you think a king's job is or a queen's job? Oh, ask the people if they want something. Rule over the kingdom. What does ruling over the kingdom mean? Like, what is what do they do? They're in charge. 
Okay, so Amanda says that they're in charge and they rule over the kingdom and make sure everybody has the things that they need and that everybody's kept safe. So good, these are all really good answers about what it means to be a king or a queen. So do you think it's an easy job? Yes. You think it's an easy job? It's a deadly job. It can be a very deadly job, sure. It, it will be a, a not easy job. I don't think it would be an easy job at all, right? Because everybody has an opinion. It could be a horrible job. It could be a horrible job, right? If the people don't like you, it could be a really horrible job, right? So being a ruler, being a king or queen, is not an easy thing. So who do you think would make a really good ruler of a king or a queen? God. God would, sure. God is a great ruler, right? We know this, yes. Um, to be a, a great king, he won't be very bossy. Not very bossy. I th right, I think that that would be true. It seems like maybe they should be really, 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 really very, 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 very bossy, but... We want to be able to listen to people. Look out here. Do you see anybody that might be a good king or a queen besides you guys? Who would be a good king or queen? Who are you pointing to? Babysitter. Your babysitter. Who's your babysitter? Janice. Janice? Where's Janice? Okay. There's Janice. Janice, she thinks she would be a great ruler. I guess the best of ones. There, right, because you already are a ruler. <laughs> a king or a queen. Who would be a good king or queen here? Is there anyone that you think would make a good king or queen? It is Father's Day, sure. Or all the people that act like fathers for us, but have stand, stood in the place of fathers for us, because not everybody gets to be a father. Um, but I know that many, many people in my life have been there that I've thought of as a father, and I'm really thankful for those people. So good. Who else do you think here would make a good ruler? Yes. God. God. I think God's a great ruler. So in our Bible story today, we're actually, we've actually heard that God chose the next king to rule over Israel. And do you think that God chose somebody who was really old? No. Who had lots of experience and lots of education and knowledge? Does that make sense? That that's, maybe that's what a ruler should have, is some education and knowledge? Nope. God chose David, a young boy. A young boy who took care of sheep. That's who God chose. Do you know why God chose David? No. Why? Because he was kind of Because he knew David's heart. He knew David's heart. David wasn't the smartest. David wasn't the fastest. David wasn't the best at everything. But God knew David's heart. And David's heart was good. And so God knew that David would be a good ruler for the people. And so God chose David. Guess what? God chooses each of us every day. Do you know that? God chooses us every single day. God chooses us because we were baptized. That's our sign that God chooses us every single day. Our baptism never, ever goes away. God chooses us every single day. Okay, good job listening today. I have a, I have a, I have a little job for you to do, though.
Okay, so we'll say a prayer and then I'm gonna send you out for a job. Um, Miss Nancy did this great thing and brought some paper and um, crayons and all kinds of other stuff. Um, I want you to hand those out to folks. Um, so whoever would be interested in taking some things to color, um, please give them some paper and some crayons or pencils or whatever Miss Nancy brought us, okay? After, after I say our prayer, all right? So let's pray. God, we thank you for choosing kind-hearted rulers like David. Let us live in that example to be kind-hearted and to live your love in all the world. We thank you for choosing us and claiming us every single day in our baptism. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm supposed to give you snacks, right? I'm not supposed to keep these for myself, right? Yeah. No, these are for you guys. Bunny grams. Bunny grams. All right, and don't forget the paper and the mar and the crayons. Paper and crayons. Paper and crayons. <clears throat> the paper and the crayons are right here in the front. Thank you, Miss Nancy, for doing that for me. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. For team effort. See, that's right. We need everybody together. <laughs> so here's what's going to happen. You're going um, to you're going to take paper and crayons um, and um, I'm. So I was sitting in Pastor Ben's office preparing for the service, going over my sermon notes, and I was struck at how incredibly white and bare and plain his office is. Um, and so, uh, because we're good friends, um, we have a lot of fun with each other. Um, so, I would like you to draw the sermon today. And I'm going to hang them in Pastor Ben's office. <laughs> so, it'll be a lovely surprise when he returns. I'm also an educator, and so I also know that um, multiple intelligences, we receive information in a variety of ways. And visual... Um, and artistic is one of the ways that we receive information. Um, and so it, if, that, if that's something that you are, this will also help you retain this super fantastic sermon that I have for you today. <laughs> Thank you for my helpers for getting that out. And feel free to be silly and goofy and or really deeply artistic. Whatever your soul is telling you, please feel free. Everybody have paper that wants paper or crayons? Oh, we need some in the back there. We need some over there. Here, you want to take some paper and go over to that side over there in the back? Okay, got it? So I'll start off by saying I should always check with the pastor before I agree to the Sunday that they want me to preach and look at the texts. <laughs> it, it almost never fails that I get the really hard texts <laughs> when I go out. Sure, that would be great. That would be much more efficient, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be much more efficient. <laughs> Anybody else need? And how about up there in the? <clears throat> how are you, how are you at catching? <laughs> 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 
All right, somebody's coming up to the balcony for you all. Thank you so much for um, being in on my little uh, creative mode for decorating pastor's office. <laughs> He'll get a kick out of it. So you're working on 1 Samuel. You're working your way through 1 Samuel on the semi-continuous reading. And Samuel, 1 Samuel is some hard stuff. And um, I tend to wrestle, I tend to wrestle with the, the kind of um, anger, vengeful God image. I wrestle with that. When I read the text, specifically in the Jewish text, when I read that, I get stuck on that harshness of, of God. And 1 Samuel is no different. Because here is, here is God telling Samuel to have Saul smite all the Amicalites. Like, gone. Get him out of here. And that just, like, I, can't, I have trouble rectifying that with the God that I know. And the God that claims each of us in our baptism every single day. I have trouble reconciling that. And so, when I get into those spots of difficulty, I always turn to learned scholars, people that I have learned from and who are much wiser and much more worldly and deeper thinkers than I am. And uh, when I'm working with the Jewish text, I tend to um, go to um, a conversationalist rabbi. And conversationalist rabbi meaning he just loves to be in conversations and then he, um, he, he writes about those conversations. And so um, Rabbi Maslin is one of these conversationalists that I really lean to when I'm struggling with Jewish texts. Um, and Rabbi Maslin talks about um, a, an encounter that he had with another rabbi uh, around this specific text. And so he, he shares that he's on a train and he meets this elder Orthodox Jewish rabbi. And so they're, they're in this conversation, and uh, Rabbi Maslin says to Rabbi Buber, who is the Orthodox older scholarly rabbi, um, says to, to Buber that he was, had been studying Samuel, and he was really wrestling with this text and, um, and, and the slayings that God has laid out, and that God commanded this. And so this is the, this is the, the, the writing of um, Maslin about this conversation. The portrayal of a vengeful God full of wrath has led many people to reject the Bible as the fountainhead of faith. Buber himself was moving in that direction when he came across this Orthodox Jewish man. Um, he told him that he was troubled by this text and this episode and admitted he did not believe that God had commanded Saul to kill every Amalekite. The old man responded in a gruff tone. So you do not believe it? No, I answered. I do not believe it. What do you believe then? I believe... Maslin says, I replied without reflecting, that Samuel has misunderstood God. 
And he again slowly, but more softly than before, said, So you do not believe that? And I said, Yes. Then we were both silent. But now something happened. The angry countenance of the wizened rabbi opposite of me transformed. Well, said the man with a positively gentle, tender clarity, I think so too. Maslin concludes, an observant Jew, when he has to choose between God and the Bible, chooses God. Which is kind of an astounding statement for me to read. But think about those words. An observant Jew, when he has to choose between God and the Bible, chooses God. And so that helps me set a little bit on right. The Bible is the divine inspired word of God. That's what we believe. The Bible is the divine inspired word of God. Yes? Can I get an amen about that? Right. Divine inspired word of God. Who put pen to paper? Did God put pen to paper? Human put pen to paper. And so the divine inspired word of God through people's eyes. Most specifically, was it through women's eyes? No. Men's eyes. A very patriarchal society. Women couldn't read or write. And so a very male, human interpretation of God's divine inspired word. And we as Lutherans believe that the Bible is the divine inspired word of God. We do not believe that we are to follow it to the exact letter and understand it as the exact, this is exactly what happened. It is not a CNN account of biblical times. I know, it's not. It might be surprising. Well, <laughs> it's not a CNN account of biblical times. It's our account. And so if we all saw the same thing, if we leave here today and Pastor Ben quizzes you about today's sermon, how many variations of today's sermon would Pastor Ben get? As many of you as are here, he'll get different interpretations. Same is true with our text, and so that helps us with our wrestling. So I wanted to kind of lay a foundational piece as I was getting into this. It helps us with our wrestling. Why would God make this choice? And was it to wipe them out, or was it to just simply take the power? And does that even matter to us in this story? What matters to us in the story is that Saul was the chosen one and couldn't lead. Couldn't lead, and God was disappointed. And so God ended that reign and said, you're done. Much to Samuel's massive dismay. Because why is Samuel so distraught over this decision of God's? You remember way back earlier in Samuel, way back earlier in Samuel, Saul was the one that pointed Samuel to God and said, go lay back down. And when you hear that voice again, say, yes, Lord, here I am, speak to me. 
That was Saul and Samuel. So Samuel and Saul have had this beautiful, deep, trusted relationship for years. And now God is saying to Samuel, Saul is no longer the king. You now need to follow through on the things that I'm asking you to do. And you are going to help me anoint the new king. Samuel is wrestling with this. He doesn't want to do this. He dearly loves Saul. Surely there are other chances for Saul, right? Surely Saul can be redeemed. Surely Saul could learn to be a good leader. But God knows that Saul is not capable of that. And so God, in our text today, sends Samuel on the journey to anoint the new king. And that's a pretty profound thing to do. And so he sends them to the family of Jesse. And Jesse is one of the kind of, um, ex- uh, not exonerated, exalted, not exonerated, exalted. One of the exalted families, one of the exalted Jewish families. And so Jesse has all of these children. We only hear about the boys. But Jesse has all of these children. And all of these capable sons. And not one of them is chosen, but the youngest. And so that begs a question to us then, what are we to do with that? The youngest? Typically, we choose our leaders based on what criteria or qualities. What are the qualities you look for in leaders when you're voting? Experience? Maturity? Age? Strength? Experience? Absolutely. Those are the things, because we think that with age comes wisdom, which is very true, but I have known some really foolish old people. (laughs) Nancy, don't hide back there. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I've known some really foolish old people. God isn't about our doing God is about our being. Think about that. God isn't about our doing. God is about our being. Which is why David got chosen. David got chosen because God knew David's heart. And so I contend today that we have that God does some callings. We've all heard about callings, not on the telephone, but God tapping you on the shoulder. And so our first calling from God is being. Our first calling from God is breathing. Breathing, living, existing, being in relationship with people, being present in the world. Our first call from God is being. And then our second call from God is leading. God calls each of us to leadership in a variety of ways and in a variety of places. Sometimes really profound in being anointed as a king and sometimes as simple as opening a door for a mom pushing a baby stroller. That's leadership. Sometimes leadership looks like Jesus Christ, whom the Jews thought was going to be this majestic warrior coming in on this big white horse with a big sword to slay Rome. And what did they get? 
a humble servant who got down on his knees and washed the feet of his friends. So God calls us to being and God calls us to leadership. And again, that leadership looks a whole bunch of different ways. Not just as a king, but as where we are in our places. We are called to lead with the direction and guidance of God. That's why David was anointed. And so, where are you being called to lead? Where will you use that leadership calling when you walk out these doors? And again, sometimes it's large. And sometimes it's very small. Our being and our leadership exist together. We can't separate ourselves from how God has created us. And so as we leave this space today, think about your being present, available, loving, caring, and leading in those qualities because God has called each of you and me. And so even in these tough stories in our Jewish texts, we see that there is still lots of words of wisdom and direction and guidance for us. And so God be with you in your call of being and God be with you in your call of leading. And for all of that, we say thanks be to God. Amen.